Welcome into another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. And Justin, I think before we get into anything, I think it's safe to say we will no longer be picking the Jags <laughs> to win games uh, we, just for sheer consistency yeah. to help them. Yeah, I think we owe <laughs> the listeners and everybody, newsletter subscribers, an apology because we have not been too kind for the Jags uh, lately. Had no faith in them and Lo and behold, they come out and deliver. A surprising uh, Wow. Victory. Just wow. I mean, that that was a huge game against Buffalo. It was one of those games where you kind of kept holding your breath for different reasons throughout the game. I mean, the, it's such a low-scoring game, you're always holding your breath because it's just a, a very small margin for error. And when the Jaguars have played, uh, well, very up and down, to put it nicely, this season, uh, you know, you, you always hold your breath because th- it's one play away. And they never gave up that play to their credit. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we also held our breath when Trevor Lawrence went down with it. Yeah, that was scary. Ooh, I mean, scary. that, that well, was the CJ moment. Beathard came in and had two nice throws. Man, I mean, Beathard comes in, he he drops one right on the sideline, he drops one in the end zone that Agnew drops. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, Beathard's out here ripping it. Uh, and, you know, that, that actually brings me to a point, uh, you know. Uh, the Jaguars' offense, and Daryl Bevel has kind of talked about this, the offensive coordinator. Trevor Lawrence has talked about it. The wide receivers have all talked about it. We've harped on it that they have to find a way to get these big plays down the field. That In the NFL, consistently doing 12 to 15 play drives down the field without turning the ball over is just extremely hard and putting yourself in a position where it's not going to work very well. Why is it that C.J. Beathard comes off the bench and is immediately ripping these throws yeah. downfield and Trevor Lawrence is back in there and even before that and we just don't see these plays? I'm not saying that Trevor's a problem. I'm just I'm just asking the question. Yeah, it, similarly, it reminds me of uh, when Nick Foles got hurt in week one of uh, his Jaguars debut and Gardner Minshew comes in and moves the ball and he became – uh, the de facto starter. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with, with um, you know, with Trevor and and CJ. Um, you know, but maybe the maybe they just weren't prepared for CJ. Maybe they were not expecting him to come in and try and stretch the field immediately, and he did. Um, but man, Buffalo, that defense is as good as advertised. Made everything difficult to come by for the Jaguars. Um, but I don't read anything too much into those those passes by CJ and that they moved the ball better with him in there. Than Trevor, I just think that kind of happened to be um, how those th- those plays looked. But yeah, a little bit, you know, a little bit like, okay, Trevor, when are we going to see those moves from you? We we got to make those plays happen. I mean, now given, I will defend him and say that the receiving core has not played up to the level that many would hope and that they need to. I mean, even Beathard rips. A, uh, I don't think he could have thrown a more perfect pass yeah. into the end zone and it's dropped. I mean, that just goes back to the wide receiving core has to play better. But uh, we're not going to harp on the bad from last week because there is so much good. Uh, against the Bills, this defense played at a level that would have been equivalent of the 2017 yeah, Saxonville right. defense. I mean, we had a Taven Bryan sighting for two yeah. sacks. I mean, it's like, where's this guy been? He had three and a half sacks in his entire career. Yeah, 54 leading games. 54 games, and then he gets two in one game. I mean, like, maybe this is the beginning of something for Taven Bryan. Who knows? I mean, Josh Allen playing out of his mind against the other Josh yeah. Allen. Uh, you know, it it felt like a perfect storm. And, you know, the, the defense, incredibly high level. But, I, you know, my cap's really off to Joe Cullen. Um, you know, he and that defensive staff have gotten a lot of criticism for how bad the Jaguars' defense has played at times. But – he is not shied away from making 
pretty drastic changes throughout this season. I mean, he came into the year wanting to be a man-heavy defense that blitzed a lot, and they've, they've kind of tailed off of that because they realized that outside of Shaquille Griffin, most of their guys just can't hang in They're man covers there, that, right? well, that well. So now... They're a zone defense. Uh, they they went from wanting to have C.J. Henderson starting outside to, you know what, we don't need C.J. Trade him. You know, they, they've they've made some rather drastic changes and on tried things. On, on the, the fly. fly. Yeah, just midseason, yeah. uh, you know, most coaching staffs and coaches are just, you know, locked into this is what we're going to do. This is who we are. We're going to figure it out, live by it, die by yeah, it. Yeah, you take an, an, you know, you, you're a coaching staff that installation period, an entire offseason, and here – Jaguars during their bye week or, you know, a little bit after that have come and said, hey, we're going to tinker with some zone stuff. We don't, you know, we're, we're not just implementing this in one practice. This is a, we have to phase this in over time. You can't just flip a switch, as Urban Meyer said, and, hey, we're going to be a zone team now. This takes some time. And you look at that Seahawks game, and, you know, Urban mentioned this, and you go back and look at the stats. I mean, the Seahawks win in 17-0 at halftime in that game. Jacksonville gave up one defensive touchdown after that. And, you know, Urban said it was a tale of two halves. And, I, you know, I think Jacksonville's defense in that Seahawks game played good throughout that game. I know it didn't, you know, that to me that the goal line stand where Geno wound up getting, it was a great three plays from that defense. Um, they just did not get – I know that Geno had the 14 consecutive completions and stuff, but I think that game as a whole, the offense was, was awful. But I think the defense really showed improvement – starting in the second half of that game where you could markedly see a change in defense. And, man, last week they just kept it going. Um, so I think those last six quarters of football for the Jacksonville defense and Joe Cohen, whatever changes they're making or have made, have stuck. And let's hope we see that the rest of the season because that has been six lights-out quarters of football. I mean, just you, you we have to give our hats off to this guy. I mean, and I, I even left off one that probably paid huge dividends against Buffalo and, and may continue, Rudy Ford. Man, I mean, he comes in, the, he was a special team signing. Uh, Urban Meyer, huge on special teams. He's like, he's Rudy Ford's one of the best gunners I've ever seen in my entire life. Brings him here to Jacksonville to play special teams. Guy's a safety. And now, all of a sudden, midseason, he's your nickel corner playing nickel linebacker. Rudy Ford basically left the field against the Bills for one play. That's crazy. One play. And he play. had a huge, huge, huge game. Play. Huge pick. All too. of a sudden, I mean, he, this is a guy that didn't play much defense for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now he's a core contributor. And not just a core contributor who's just on the field. He's playing well. Yeah. I mean, you found a guy who what, hadn't done this. Now he's your nickel corner. He's your, your nickel linebacker. He's playing every down for your defense. And he even had to get helped into the locker room after the game by the trainers. We asked him about it. He said, you know, I just emptied the tank out there. And that's the kind of guy you need on yeah. defense. You need a guy that's going to go out there and empty the freaking tank. Yeah, two – I mean, Jackson had two takeaways entering that game. Two takeaways entire season. I mean, the Bills had guys with more than that themselves as a team. I mean, unbelievable how um, how bad this defense has been. But these six last six quarters of football, you've seen that – you know, whatever whatever Joe Cohen's preaching, the players are, are listening. They're receptive audience and performing three takeaways last game. Josh Allen, the game of his career. Rudy Ford, a pick. Um, three takeaways last game. So you've got to hope and you've got to, as a Jaguars fan, hope that this last, I say, keep saying six quarters of football, but that's where the changes have been, is kind of a, a highlight for the second headliner into that second half of the season. We've been kind of beating the drum and saying let's we need the the, uh, the defense to show us an identity and I think they have this these last uh, these last two games so 
they may be a zone team now more so than a man. I think you have the personnel to be a, a solid zone team right now. And you can hope, you know, maybe since, you know, Buffalo had not seen a lot of tape with Jacksonville playing a lot of zone, um, that, that Jacksonville was able to take advantage of it. Maybe the Colts uh, and teams going forward in that second half of the season see something on tape with Jacksonville playing zone where they can take advantage of a little bit more. But maybe mm-hmm. this is that, that kind of that fulcrum for Jacksonville where the light goes on and say, hey, we don't have to be a man team. I know teams love playing man. Jalen Ramsey loved to play man when he was here. Playing man defense is that mano a mano. You're trusting your skills a little bit more, not that zone coverage where you're in a certain segment of, a, of the field or a play. Um, I think NFL players like playing that man defense better. It's more of a personal uh, challenge for them, and they take more pride in that. But I think Jacksonville right now with the, the players they have, the personnel they have, are a better zone team. Hey, look, it, it worked last week. Now, the goal is to stack these wins, as they've talked about, and keep the arrow pointing up. Jaguars have now won two of their last three, but that one loss was a real embarrassing one against the Seahawks. Uh, Urban Meyer said this week that he didn't feel like his young team handled the bye week very well. Um, and he also kind of talked about how he was very grateful that they had the Colts this week because he doesn't have to worry about that. And then uh, Miles Jack kind of elaborated on that with us um, yesterday when I got a chance to talk with him. Miles mentioned that, you know, after that Seahawks loss, the coaching staff, the players, they basically hit the reset button. They came into practice. They, they went back to the very basics, tackling at angles, tackling just the, the very basics and started over. And, well, it worked against Buffalo, so yeah. now – Hopefully, you know, those basics start to, to stack to where you can get to a little bit more advanced, and that can help you this week against Indianapolis. Uh, obviously, you don't want to have to keep hitting the reset button because that's bad. But, I mean, winning two out of three games for this team, I mean, you've already doubled last year's win total. That's a win. And then, I mean, we talked about progression early in the year where we said, okay, well, we can see they're getting better week in and week out. And now – you know, outside if if that Seattle game was a close loss, I think we'd feel even better yeah. right now. But I mean, two out of three really yeah. ain't bad. I mean, no matter how you look at it, two there, out of three is pretty good. There was regression in that Seahawks game. Yeah. I think from from uh, the offense in particular. I mean, I I totally agree. If you look at the game, it was a tale of two halves. Jacksonville's down seventeen zero at half. Okay, this is another blowout. It turned out to be that way. But you know, I think Urban compartmentalized those two halves of football and looked at it and said, man, this defense really played well. And the defense in that game, to its credit, had that goal line stand against Seattle. They, again, they gave up plays, but it showed, it showed the Jaguars could, could make, a, make a stand in a situation like that on the road, maybe the toughest place to play in the league. And in that second half of that game, they finally figured it out. I still want to see more from the offense. Okay, The defense has its signature game right now. Um, you're 2-6. and six. You played well the last, uh, the last two games. Let's get something from this offense going. You know, they don't – Jacksonville does not have that signature offensive game. I'm still waiting for something from Trevor Lawrence, that big – you know, if you're down in the fourth quarter and you come and you lead a game-winning drive, uh, you get your team in position for the game-winning field goal. That, that Dolphins game was fantastic, but that feels like six years ago. Do something, show some improvement on that offensive side of the ball. The defense has shouldered that load. Let's see something from Trevor in this offense. Let's start it this week. Well, if they're going to start it this week, they have to do it against the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts defense 
a pretty good one um, up there when you start talking about the defenses that create turnovers. So, uh, obviously, we'll, we're going to need Trevor to protect the ball this week. Trevor nursing an injured ankle. Uh, he has practiced all week. He will play on Sunday against the Colts, so he's not in any doubt. Cam Robinson should be good to go on Sunday after missing last week, and we even glanced over Walker Little getting his first playing time. But Cam Robinson should be good to go at left tackle for them. James Robinson listed as questionable. I don't personally believe Robinson's going to go on Sunday. I think they're going to give him another week. I think just a, a running back with a bad heel is a bad combination. Why push it? I mean, even if you bring him out there, what are the odds of him re-injuring that heel? It's probably not pretty, like, probably yeah. pretty good. You know, point, yeah. it's not something that you can really avoid. He he runs and has to start and stop quickly in order to do it. And when you put on the brakes, you're slamming down that yeah. heel. Uh, it just doesn't seem like a good combination. I think Carlos Hyde totes the rock for the team. We'll have to wait and see. It'll be a game-time decision. I know Urban said he thought up until, like, game day last week that James Robinson was going to go, but then when he went out on the field, he tested out that heel, and it just wasn't ready. Yeah, and it makes sense. If you're yeah. running back, that's your, that's your plant. You know, your heels are your plant. You've got to stop on a dime. I just don't – don't chance it with James. He's no. still your best offensive weapon. Carlos Hyde, serviceable. Um, but the Colts game, I just don't see it as being as um, as demanding. As, you know, you write off. You don't want to write off any team in the NFL. I mean, they lost to the Texans for God's sakes. Um, but again, I, it not not a matchup that scares me too bad as um, following the Jaguars. Um, but Carlos Hyde, serviceable. He had a decent game last week against the Bills. He did have a, a lost fumble, uh, but nonetheless, I think he's a guy you go with this week. Leave James on the shelf and heal up. So do you feel like the arrow is pointing up for the offense in particular? I mean, last week, obviously, they were without three of their starting offensive linemen for the beginning of the year because uh, Cam Robinson was down. A.J. Cann's out for the year. Brandon Linder should be coming back soon, but he was still out. So, I mean, the offensive line was kind of piecemealed together. Uh, Trevor plays half the game on a hurt foot or a hurt ankle. Um, you're still without James O'Shaughnessy, who looked okay early in the year when he was healthy. Uh, even though we didn't get a very long look at that. Uh, but, I mean, they haven't given us much. I mean, they haven't even cracked 30 points this season. So, I mean, it's not exactly like we've got a lot to hang our hats on. But, I mean, outside of Trevor not throwing turnovers, can we feel like this offense is starting to, to head upward in the right direction? I don't think so. I think yeah. the offense is, is is middling along right now. I don't see any, you know, since we've come back from the bye week, it's been a clunker against the Seahawks, generous to get – even a touchdown. They had nothing last week against the Bills. Granted, a better defensive team. I just don't see that growth from offense. And I think it comes back to what you just hit on with the injuries, the offensive line. You're starting a rookie at left tackle and Walker Little. The receivers still struggling. How is LaVisca um, going to be used? We still don't have an answer to that question. Marvin Jones is not that number one guy. DJ Chark on injured reserve. Tyron Johnson, still the jury out on him. I mean, Dan Arnold is your leading guy right now, and he is, you know, an average tight end. So I think with all those things going against him, you haven't seen that Trevor take that massive step forward yet. Uh, he's reduced his turnovers, which has been great. Um, but I still think he's lacking a little bit of that confidence, and that comes with the better players around him, and he simply does not have that right now. Still waiting for that arrow to start ticking up on that offense. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this really starts to come together. You know, Marvin Jones kind of made a good point earlier this week that he's been in this Daryl Bevel offense for a few years, and it's always been a big play offense when he's been in it. In Detroit, Matthew Stafford was – 
throwing, you know, long touchdowns to Marvin and uh, Kenny Galladay. Uh, but, you know, obviously they had a different uh, group of playmakers there. Um, and then now Urban Meyer says that Brandon Linder should be back soon at some point, and then James O'Shaughnessy is going to be back soon too. I'm interested to see how O'Shaughnessy fits into this offense once he's healthy because Dan Arnold and James O'Shaughnessy are very similar players. Both of them extremely good in the pass, or, well, serviceable in the passing game, but not really great run blockers. Chris Manhurts was your run blocker. He's already seen his uh, role in this offense dialed back from what it was going to be at the beginning of the season. And now if you get O'Shaughnessy back, I mean, does that help you from a pass-catching standpoint? Probably so, uh, if you're running two tight end sets. Yeah, maybe, maybe they roll out some more two tight end sets there with Dan Arnold and O'Shaughnessy as your threats there. But, I mean, because you're, you're not getting the plays from the wide receivers. And if you're going to kind of convert this offense into, a, okay, it's James Robinson is our primary threat play action, things like that, come out in two tight end sets. That's not a bad idea. So maybe James O'Shaughnessy can help to open up some things and unlock the offense a little bit. That's yet to be seen. But the offense really just hasn't given you anything to to hang your hat on. I mean, right now, Trevor is a a game manager, which, you know, as a rookie, I'm not mad at. You know, a lot of rookies struggle with turnovers. He – has got, he got those out of his system pretty early on, and he's now managing the game. He won't lose it for you, but we also haven't seen him really go out there and win it. I mean, even the Miami game, he got that sack on that last drive before really being able to kind of get a couple of completions to get them in field goal range. I mean, hell so. of a play at the end of that game. Yeah, though. still it, that sequence was. I mean, it was it, look that was a, a, great, a perfect throw. Great he sequence. puts that ball completely all, uh, anywhere. It's insane. But I mean, that sack. That's something that's yeah. going to come with time that he has to know he can't take. He has to get that ball out mm-hmm. and and get it out of bounds. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens with the offense, and hopefully we do know that Trevor is going to at some point flip the switch and start heading in the right direction. I, I, just, I don't think it comes until the very end of this season or beginning yeah. of next year. I just I th- think you need more playmakers he's around got, They've got to get him wide receivers, and, I mean, at some point we're going to get into the debate of where do they get this wide receiver help that they're going to solely need for next season? Uh, is it the draft? Is it the uh, is it free agency? Um, you know, we've started talking about this a little bit, but we're not quite there yet. Are you mad they didn't early. sign OBJ? Uh, you know, I, I, I think that it is a huge miss to not have claimed him. I think they have too much free cap space, but I also think that Trent Baalke is very uh, cost-conscious. And I understand why he didn't. I understand that 31 other teams didn't either. But the Jaguars are in a different position from the majority of them. They have open cap space. They have a young quarterback who does not have an A1 option. Is Odell Beckham that A1 option? Nobody knows right now. Was it Cleveland the problem or is OBJ the problem? Nobody knows except for OBJ and Cleveland. And the Jaguars know right now that they don't have a dominant number one. And, I mean, after watching the Bills game, I think Jamal Agnew – is great, but that drop touchdown pass hurts. Yep. That hurts. And we've seen that so often this year, not necessarily in the end zone, but so many passes on third down dropped. LaVisca struggled with drops. Marvin Jones has had a couple. Yes. You just don't have – and I think that rattles Trevor. I mean, I think that really plays into his he thinks uh, about it. trouble as a – if there's a hitch um, in his development, I think it's that ability to uh, to trust – who do you trust on that? That the receiving core. You got to be willing to take risks with this kind of roster, and a player that could hit the way OBJ could becomes available. Even if he said he wanted a playoff team, Urban Meyer has basically termed himself as a player's coach. 
His job would have been to get OBJ to march and step with what they're preaching here mm-hmm. and say, all right, look, OB or, or Odell, whatever you want to go with, look, here we are. We got you. You're here. End of story. This is your quarterback. Meet Trevor Lawrence. It could be much worse. <laughs> all right, so now go get on the same page with this dude. You ball out, and then either we'll pay you or someone else will pay you this offseason. It's a rental one way or another, but you're going to get target volume here. Welcome to the team. That's what should have happened. Uh, yeah. I, I just think you, you when you have a roster that you know is devout of talent and you have a young quarterback who is searching for someone to help him out there on the outside and a guy like that becomes available, you have to jump at it. And it's not like they're strapped for cap space right now. They're yeah, not. I, don't, I don't know what they were, you know, there have been rumors, and obviously we don't cover Odell Beckham at all, but, you know, we read rumors on social media that he's been a, a malcontent or had issues in the locker room, um, depending on what media reports you say, yeah, you read. Um, he's been, you know, prima donna in the locker room, and others saying he wasn't. So yeah, who knows if what what the true read on him was. He just did not did not flourish in Cleveland, um, whether that was of his doing or the offense's doing or, or whatever the case may be. But it's a position that you have struggled with mightily as the Jaguars. You've mm-hmm. tried to bring in how much help through the offseason. You've signed former five, you know, five-star players that Urban Meyer recruited. You've kicked the tires on guys just trying to get anything extra out of that position, anything, and it has failed you. So – you know, hey, why not take a flyer on OBJ and, um, and and give Trevor a true number one wideout? It's only going to cost you, what, $7 million or something like that, a prorated portion of that. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it would have been one way to address the thorn in the side of the weakest position. On it the just team. Look at it this way. Right now, Trevor Lawrence is, thro- has, is trotting out a receiver. Let's say they throw out a four-wide receiver set. We've got LaVisca Chenault, we've got Marvin Jones, we've got Jamal Agnew, who they signed to be a kick returner, uh, but he has been a, a happy a happy surprise. And then at that fourth spot, you have the debate, Laquan Treadwell or Tavon Austin? Yeah, like, a- does that strike fear <laughs> yeah. into a defense? No. Tra- Tavon Austin, one of the most dynamic college receivers ever. The NFL, very underwhelming. And at this point, we're in year, I don't know what. He's been in the NFL for a while, and we have not seen those sparks. They have tried everything. Everybody, it's yeah, been tried. Have. Like, it, it hasn't like he hasn't had his shots. Laquan Treadwell, again, another guy who was great in college, and he's had his opportunities in the NFL, and it just has not happened. So, is OBJ necessarily worth $7 million for the rest of the season? Probably not. But, but... Would he be better than Tavon Austin or Laquan Treadwell? I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes. <laughs> and, but can you imagine, I mean, just the possibility of, you know, putting Marvin Jones wide, OBJ on the other side, Jamal Agnew in the slot. I mean, it just gives you, poten- it gives you p- potential matchups. It lets Trevor sample a true number one wide receiver this year, um, and it gives Urban some of that speed that he's talking about so dreadfully missing um, in the offense this year. So uh, I think it was a miss to not explore that a little bit more in detail and and not just write that off completely. Um, It would have been uh, a a huge swing for Meyer and Balgi to attempt that. Doesn't fit their MO kind of thing. I mean, signing, you know, signing uh, fringe guys and niche guys, uh, more value guys, there's that word again, seems to be their, um, their kind of vantage point. Let's do this and, and let's do it on a on a budget. Uh, but it would have been cool to see Trevor throwing to Odell Beckham Jr. in town. Look, I, 
this was the closest thing to a budget wide receiver you were going to get. They're going to have to throw out the budget this offseason and get Trevor a number one guy. Got to. Because uh, when you look at the free agent class, and I, we won't dive too deep into it, but there's only like five guys, and they're all going to get huge contracts. I mean, you're talking about Devontae Adams, Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson. Those are, the, those are some of the top names for this free agent class at wide receiver. After that, there's a drop. Yeah. There's a drop. And all of those guys are going to command huge contracts. And, We're talking like $90 million, $100 million and deals. And where that drop is is where Trent Baalke comes in. Right. And <laughs> you can't do that. Because, I mean, where the Jaguars are going to be picking in the draft, unless they just go on a tear to end the season, there's not going to be a wide receiver worthy of that pick at the moment, the, the way it looks in the draft. Probably, probably number seven in that kind of that range, seven, eight, nine range. Yeah, and I don't think there's going to be a top ten wide receiver this year. This isn't like last year where there was a Jamar Chase, a Jalen Waddle, a, a Kyle Pitts. Those guys aren't available every year and this does not look like one of those years right now and the Jaguars are going to be have other needs as well so to get that wide receiver that Trevor needs they're gonna have to pony up open up shots checkbook and write the check trend that's gonna be what it comes down to but I guess let's get back into the the, the short-term future uh, Sunday's game against the Colts uh, we talked a little bit about the offense and what they kind of are, are looking for but let's go to the defense after such a strong week uh, we know Shaq Griffin's gonna be uh, following uh, Pittman this week uh, Pittman a second year wide receiver who's kind of come into his own a little bit Griffin turned into that travel corner this year for the first time in his career and he's loving it yeah he's uh, and he's done a, done a well. very good job with it so uh, it seems like uh, Pittman is going to be locked down this week. And I kind of got a chance to I asked Shaq, I said, have you played against Carson Wentz before? And he said he played against him a few times in Philly. And the one thing that he knows about Wentz is that Wentz has his guys. He'll lock into a Zach Ertz. He'll lock into a Pittman Jr. But if you can take that guy away from him, he becomes frantic and doesn't know what to do. I mean, that's not a direct quote, but very loosely, the same basic principle there is that, uh, you know, if you take away his guy, he just becomes another guy. Wentz isn't as good because he he knows his guys. He's he locked knows, in. He's locked in on getting those guys the ball. So if Shaq can take away Michael Pittman, that does open up things for this defense. Now, the question is, can this pass rush be more than just a, a one-trick pony, one-time th- deal? Because, I mean, we haven't seen the pass rush all year. And then last week they show up, they ball out. I mean, everybody's getting sacks. Again, they show up and put some pressure on Carson Wentz, a guy who's talking about even if his wife goes into labor on Sunday as she's expected to, he's going to play in the game. Yeah, hey, good. He may be divorced after that, but, <laughs> you know, hey, he'll at least have a uh, either a win or a loss in the NFL. So, <laughs> I mean, that's uh, probably not know. the best decision, no, not, you know. Not the best one. But, you know, it, look, the Jaguars defense needs to, needs to, to show up, and they'll need some big performances. And they, we've seen enough from them last week that I think we can have a reasonable expectation that they should be competitive. The, the one tough guy to stop is Jonathan Taylor. In week one last year when uh, the Jaguars got their one win, that was before Taylor really took over the show. Uh, the Jaguars kept him under control. But that last game of the season? He ugh, went crazy. He ran ran wild. I mean, the Jaguars had no answer for him. Uh, Miles Jack, very complimentary of the, the player that Taylor is. And uh, Urban Meyer remembers him from his time at Wisconsin. Meyer said he used to yell at his coaches, why don't we have this guy? <laughs> well, now I guess he can continue that trend because now he gets to play against him twice a year. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. And again, obviously, the the Jaguars when they last saw Jonathan Taylor was the last game of a lost season where yeah. wholesale changes were coming. So I think this will be a little better 
a better indication of where they are. This is the best running back they've faced since Derrick Henry. Um, so we will see how they, they approach that game. Do they sell out on stopping Jonathan Taylor like they probably should have against the Titans and let Carson Wentz try and pick you apart and, and see if he can do that? Um, I don't know if we'll see that same pass rush like we saw last week. I mean, Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks they've seen all season. So um, if they can have that success, and I know Buffalo wasn't playing with a full deck of cards last week on its offensive front. But again, Jacksonville took advantage of that. And let's see if they can do it. Playing on turf, weather won't be a factor. And see if they can shut down a good running back. They couldn't do it against Derrick Henry. Of course, he's a different beast. But, um, you know, Jacksonville in this history, Colts lead this series 25-15. But Jacksonville has won uh, six of the last ten games. So I, I don't think this is as lopsided or as bad of a matchup as some of the other ones uh, this year, like the Seattle game. Um, like even the Buffalo game. I I don't think anybody in the world had the Jacksonville Jaguars holding Buffalo to two field goals. So um, interesting matchup. I like this matchup far better than I like that Bills matchup, and we see what happened there. Yeah, we saw what happened there. Look, here's how it it shakes out. If the Jaguars win this week, a lot of these national jokes, like I was riding into work today, and I, you know, I heard them joking about how bad the Jaguars coaching staff is, and it's a joke and all that. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I get where you're coming from. If they win this week, which means they've won three out of the last four, two games in a row, I, I, all of a sudden the Jaguars are going to have to get some respect on the national scene. Teams are going to have to start saying, okay, these guys are here to play. Yeah. I mean, they're... There's a reason, understandably, why teams are, are crack jokes on the Jaguars. Yeah, it's, and, it's, and, it's happened for and years. It's, it's, it's been since they got the franchise. It's, you know, Jacksonville's the butt of every joke. Super Bowl came here. It was the joke of the country. And then, obviously, this year with the Urban Meyer regime, I mean, it's just been one step after another for Urban where he's kind of stepping in dog crap or, you know, tumbling or something like that. I mean, he's Urban has, has brought a lot of these laughing situations to himself and his team. Um, but again, I think that narrative starts to change a little bit when he shows and his coaching staff shows that they can win games in the NFL with this roster. That's right. And they did that last week against one of the best teams in the NFL. A playoff team. Yeah, a playoff team that played in the AFC Championship last year, a team that's projected to get back there this year. So if they can start stacking these wins together, not just uh, a shot against the Dolphins in London at the time, one of the worst teams in the NFL, Jacksonville beat them. And uh, the Dolphins have won a couple games in a row. So, um, you know, the Buffalo win, I think, has a potential to change the narrative ever so slightly on this franchise, especially if they can go to Indy and scratch out another win. All right. Well, I, just out of my superstition, I'm, I can't pick the Jaguars in this matchup okay. just uh, just for sheer superstition and consistency. So I'll have to go Colts 28-20. How about that? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Colts as well. I don't think Jacksonville is stacking wins quite yet. I don't think it's a blowout like we projected last week the Bills to do to the Jags. Goodness. Um, I think it's uh, 27-24 Colts. All right, so we, we've both picked the Colts, and that means that the Jaguars will win. So <laughs> so we'll revisit this next week. Thanks for tuning in to the News for Jags podcast. <laughs>